The following episode of The Book Guys is rated explicit for content and may contain lots and lots of violence. to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash bookguys and get a free book just for trying them out for one month. This is the Book Guys Show. My name is Paul Alves and I am joined as always by Sir Jimmy. How you doing, Hey everybody, live here from North Carolina. Everyone complains when I don't play the jingle, so... Sir Jimmy... So I don't get emails. <laughs> yeah, I like to hear it too. That's right. And all the way from Central Ohio, we still don't have a, a jingle for him. It's Professor Allen joining us once again. Professor Allen. <laughs> we need like a Doctor Doom sounding. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And we have some special guests this week, all the way from New York City. Audiobook narrator extraordinaire Johnny Heller himself. How are you doing, Johnny? Very well. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you for joining our uh, League of Doom. <laughs> this, this is my first Skype thing ever. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Al Gore knew what he was doing when he made this thing, huh? It's a good thing you weren't here. Uh, yeah, it's a good thing you weren't here last week because uh, you wouldn't be impressed, that's for sure. We had some technical difficulties. And uh, Hopefully your audio books sound just a little bit better than this. And they just do. Just a little bit, yeah, yeah. They do. All the way from Pasadena, California, writer Sean Austin also joins us. Hello, Sean. Hey, nice to be here. Oh, you got that uh, that Adam Curry deep voice going on today. <laughs> uh, I don't know how that happened. Maybe it's uh, from being in the ocean all day. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> so, so, gentlemen, we usually start off talking about what we've been reading, what's on our nightstands, what's on our devices, on our iPhones, on our iPads, our Kindles, that kind of thing. And uh, uh, I just finished one of the, the latest Dark Tower book. And uh, I'm really, I am without book right now. I'm going to choose one tomorrow in the morning at random on the way out the door. Uh, what do you got going on, Professor Allen? I am just about finished with uh, an epic fantasy novel by uh, Jim Butcher. This is not his Dresden File series, but uh, okay. his other uh, uh, epic fantasy series, the third book called Cursor's Fury. I'm probably knock it out tomorrow. Yeah. And you read, you're uh, audiobooking it or reading it? Yes. Yep. Audiobook. I'm on the last disc. Nice. Sir Jimmy, anything new going on? Any uh, new books being hollowed out? Uh, yeah, I got uh, somebody that sent me three of them to turn into uh, turn into one little hollow bookcase. <laughs> Interesting books. It's uh, One of them is the one he wants on the front is that book about O.J. Simpson that says he's innocent and you can prove it. <laughs> okay. Is, is it big enough to fit like knife and gloves? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, innocent uh, of selling sports memorabilia? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's 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 making sure he's trying to hold on to that stuff. And yeah, um, my wife Trish and uh, my son Nobot are both reading Echo's Revenge. Ooh, that sounds familiar, Mister Sean Austin. How you doing? I'm doing great. It's a, good to be here. I'd love a, to hear what they have to say. Absolutely, absolutely. Will they be joining us, Sir Jimmy, and talking about it a bit? 
Oh, absolutely. They're sitting right here right now. So whenever it's time. Uh, I think they're getting kind of hot. Are they the hollow book bunker not quite air conditioned yet? Is that what you're saying? Uh, it's not air conditioned, <laughs> and uh, we're all sunburnt, and one's having to sit on the other's lap because you know we're limited with the the microphone and the headphone hookups here. So and the seats, yeah. one's cranky. <laughs> all right, you got to put in a request to the Book Guy Central to get you some new seats and uh, an air conditioner. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's start off talking about uh, Echoes Revenge then, uh, Sean. Please tell us a bit about uh, Echoes Revenge, the ultimate game. Well, I wanted to uh, write a little story for some gamer friends of mine, and um, having come out of the simulation uh, industry, making uh, simulation experiences, I wanted to also include a bit of the technology and what it's like to create or engineer a large project, and... uh, unfortunately maybe sometimes have it get away from you and create havoc in the world and so that was the the idea behind this um this this novel series which is about a game creature that um for some reason is built uh in reality and gets away from its game designers and uh does some some uh pretty uh, terrific things to its uh the master gamers who have beat it online and um, so that's that's basically what the series is about. And that's the title, Echoes Revenge. Correct. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> now, Sir Jimmy, uh, your wife and son have both been reading Echoes Revenge. Yeah, and- every night. Uh, that's the last thing they do before they go to bed. And uh, uh, from the very get-go, I think they were really enjoying it. They're both sitting here. Yeah, get no like- get nobody on the on the on the. Micro, what's it called again? Microphone. <laughs> He's right in front of the microphone. Give, so, you got to prompt yeah. him to say something. No, but tell us. Tell us about the story. What do you think so far? Well, so far we're at one of the best parts where they finally meet Echo and they see him. Right. And He's reaching for him, trying to grab him. <laughs> oh, so you, are you going to read a little bit more tonight before you go to bed? Probably, yeah. Well, there you go. So, so Sean, uh, this seems like a, a topic like uh, involving video games as you know the topic of the book. There, uh, a great way to get uh, young lads to pick up a book. Well, I hope so. A lot of the book is about the uh, social aspects of gaming and what happens when you put that pull that virtual world into the real world, and it's about a group of gamers who. They're basically uh, all being kidnapped and no one knows why and they're all pulled into the real world and have to deal with each other uh, in this rea- in this kind of reality game that's gotten out of control. So I think where these guys are in the book is halfway halfway down the coast. Basically two of the guys are brothers and they're really terrific gamers and they've got a... a pretty big life online they've got a pretty horrible family life which is why they run away they're running down um, from Washington State to Pasadena to try to find their biological father and uh, they just start noticing all their friends all the best gamers in this game are being kidnapped I think this scene is in San Francisco where they first encounter echo and actually know or realize what it is and that it's been stalking them all the way down the coast so i won't give away the this scene but it's uh it's the it's the first um pretty terrifying scene with this this thing after them <laughs> uh yeah and how many books are you planning on the series because uh, this is this is one ver- version one i believe it's called 
Well, I've written the first two. The next one will come out in May, and uh, there should be uh, seven altogether. I've uh, mapped out uh, most of the third one and part of the fourth one. So I'm going to try to put them out uh, every 18 months or so. Nice, nice. 18 months. There's some content to it. Being a gamer, thinking about being you being a gamer, how much they've tried to change it up so that it's like gaming is real life now. Exactly, and that's part of what I do is I write one book, and then I I keep talking to my friends who are gamers and gamers online, and that and and what I do is take all that information every day, and I'm rewriting the second book right up until the minute it's ready to go out. And so what I try to do, I'm tr- going to try to keep every book really fresh that yeah, way. That's a great great way to keep it current. Now you said you were in simulation entertainment. Now what what exactly does that mean? I was building um, these sort of ride experiences like Race for Atlantis that's playing at Caesars Palace. They're basically, you take an IMAX theater, a dome, and project 3D uh, images, and you've got a motion platform, and it's a, it's a motion simulation experience about four minutes long, and I produced about uh, 15 or so of these experiences, and um, they're very, very physical, very intense. Um, they're like the Simpsons ride or the Back to the Future ride, those right. kinds of experiences. So spent a lot, um, many, many years between uh, reality and creating artificial realities. So it's sort of the pretext for some of the themes in the books. You were, you were going with that write what you know philosophy. Pretty much. Um, and also uh, what, what's very intriguing to me is this the working on projects, um, especially engineering related projects for, uh, you know, multiple years and not and, and, and kind of designing it, not really knowing if it's going to work until it actually works and all the pressures and financial pressures and creative problem solving you have to do to get to that point. So that's the sort of realm I address in the second book. It's how how this creature got away from the game designers and uh, how intense the whole kind of fast tracking design process goes and the the sort of exhaustive process basically. You, you might hear some static in the background. It's just because I've been bringing it up. Echohunt.com. <laughs> I then love he it. The mic in the book, how it they had how they were talking, and before right. he knows it, then. And also when they see Asa, and he's shaking the jacket at him. Right. That's, that would just trigger me to jump out the window no matter what. <laughs> well, Asa is quite a character. He's uh, any guy's nightmare. He's his, his mom's uh, boyfriend who is extremely controlling and uh, wants these guys to, you know, just all the time be doing everything he commands. So it's kind of a nightmare of a household. And in, in a way, the whole book goes on to echo that kind of idea of this, this very powerful, creature controlling or trying to control you and sort of breaking free of that. Uh, now, Sean, how much uh, did, uh, involvement did you have in building the, the website for the book? Because it's uh, pretty interesting. The website 
I, well, I started the site a couple of years ago, and I just I add to it um, a little bit every week. It's sort of it's sort of a collage, and as I get different ideas, I throw them in there, and I'm just trying to continue the narrative, but in a looser way. And it's it's still very experimental, and I'm trying to, you know, find the right balance of images and meme-like images and text, and right. and allow the characters in the book to continue their dialogues with each other between the novels. If you're writing a book with a high-tech premise, it's, it's important to, you know, to have a, at, at a minimum a pretty good website experience you know, to show your expertise in that area. Well, yeah, I think so. I think so. What's your second book going to be called? The second book is called The Other Side, and it, the other side meaning the game designers and everything on the other side of the screen that the gamers never see that's behind, kind of like behind the curtain. And it's, kind of, it's an explanation of everything that happens along to them in the story. There are a couple of moments where they don't hear back from the game designer and they don't know why. And in the second book, you find out you find out why, and they the the reason is they can't communicate with them, or this predator um, who is tracking everybody will hear what they have to say. So they have to be very careful about how they communicate, and sometimes they can't communicate, and the guys are left on their own to figure out really what is this game and how do they survive. So it's a lot about the game designers and they're they're you know fighting about different issues and how the creature gets loose, which is a human problem. It's uh they've created a very logical predator and it's these are human errors that cause it to get loose and go in the wrong direction. Now uh I'm just gonna ask the Go around the table here. Are anyone here gamers as well? Anyone play games? I do. I Sir, do. Sir Jimmy, you play anything at all? I play uh, very little, but um, I spend a lot of time watching watching my boy here play. He, he's gotten into Minecraft and, of course, the old standby Modern Warfare 3. Which he cannot beat me. In <laughs> <laughs> I die pretty quick in that. And uh, Professor Allen? Just a little bit. Uh, nothing too. Nothing too heavy duty, though. Yeah, me too. Uh, I might play, you know, I, I think now uh, I mostly play the odd game on my iPhone while in line at Walmart. But, uh, Mr. Heller, any, any video games on your end? Um, I play Halo sometimes. I like that. There you go. Mm. But I'm not Halo's a great I, game. I, I get w- lost in every corner you can get lost in. I have a friend who joins me. do competitive play. I mean, cooperative play. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it at all. There you go. And Mr. Austin, you're uh, the, the author himself. Uh, what games do you prefer? I like Halo too. I mean, I started off playing just really fun little games like even Tiny Tank and Pokemon, and went and ended up in Modern Warfare and Halo and Call of Duty. But I, I really like Portal too. I like to bounce around in that game. And the portals are a lot of fun. Lots of mind games going on in there. Yeah, exactly. What's your favorite of those? Um, my my favorite because I'm um, because I'm writing and working on all this stuff so much is really Portal Two. It's more like therapy for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You gotta you get to shoot up a bunch of people and uh, no one gets harmed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, so uh, next May is when we're looking forward to the second in the series. We will put a link to the first in the series, of course, as we always do in our show notes on the site. And, uh, Sean, where can people reach you and uh, find your stuff? 
Uh, easiest place is echohunt.com, and everything branches out from there. Very nice, very nice. We're going to take a quick little break, and when we come right back, uh, we'll chat a bit more, of course, and uh, we'll back and talk to Mr. Heller about his audiobook narration. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Hi. Now that I've got your attention, I'd like to tell you about a great little podcast. Well, okay. It's called Seventh Row Center, and it's hosted by me, Alex the Movie Guy. I work for Kaiser Soze. Anyway, every week I get together with Weekly Animated's David Hickson. These men are the leaders of a terrorist organization wanted for the abduction of a little monkey. Well, no. We're movie opinionists who give our thoughts about films new and old. Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Check out our show. It's called Seventh Row Center, and it's part of the Bear Crawling Nation. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Hi, this is Colin Ferguson. I play Sheriff Jack Carter on Eureka, and you're listening to the book, guys. Go, Habs, go! Damn you, Ferguson. I keep forgetting to cut out that go, Habs, go he threw in at the end. (laughs) I'll get it out next time. (laughs) And we're back. How's everybody doing? Very good. Very good. Very good. Mr. Johnny Heller. Mr. Sir. John Hiller, I believe the first audiobook I ever uh, listened uh, and heard your work was uh, the Smothers Brothers one. I forget the title now. I said why? Uh, that's the one. Uh, uh, the Dangerous, Dangerous uh, something. Dangerously Funny, yes, that's the dangerously one. Dangerously Funny. That's the one. And that was, uh, I spent uh, my first 12 hours with you on that one. Oh, I'm glad someone listened. I thought that was a fine book. <laughs> it, it, it's it's odd when you do a book sometimes and you have expectations of a this is going to be really big and then uh, then it isn't. Oh, I, it sounds like I'm on a highway. Yeah, it does. Give me one cool. second. <laughs> so, so Mr. Heller, how long have you been uh, narrating audiobooks? Um, let me see now. It's probably been, what are we in now? 2012, so over, it's a, I think I started in the early 90s, mid 90s, okay. I've been told by my girl. Do, my do you remember your first audiobook? <laughs> do you remember your first audiobook? Uh, the very first audiobook, if I recall, was a book called, I believe it's called The Wave, and it was all of about, uh, oh no, four or five pages. And I think it may have been a pop up book. It was a, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was, it was a little book, you know. We, we the little kids were here. We went to the beach. There was a wave, and you had to have the pictures with it. So I I didn't know why I was doing it. Um, but I but I then I realized when I got my paycheck why I was doing it. Uh, <laughs> right. It, I remember my very first voiceover commercial job I recall was also idiotic. It was for um, uh, Campbell Soup when I was in Chicago, and uh, my first job was to go. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's what I had to do. And I remember that. Other people auditioned for it and didn't get the job. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's uh, what have you been done lately? What's the, your latest uh, audiobook, Mr. Heller? Uh, there's a few ones. Uh, the audio, the audio out, and I'm up for a couple of books. What? What? That's so weird. Do you hear like dogs or crickets? Anyway, that's North Carolina again. I bet. Um, Skype, a tale, Skype a tale is failing Dark us again. By Adam Gidwitz is a wonderful book that's up for an Audi. You know, it could be me. I'm hearing myself reverberate. Did you hear that? Yeah, you know what? We're going to pause recording for a second. Okay. 
<laughs> and what's your latest audio book, Mr. Heller? Okay, actually, the, the latest latest audio book is a book by actually Jesse Ventura called um, Rebloodlicans and Democrips. So no, are Democrips and Rebloodlicans one of those two? <laughs> and 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 he, he posits that um, the Republicans and Democrats are very much like rival gangs, the Crips and Bloods, and it's ruining our nation. And and while he may be a bit out there, he's he's not far from correct either. Oh, uh, I likes me some, uh, some Jesse, Jesse Ventura. Ventura. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't hear him, but just read his words, then he sounds a little more intelligent. Yeah, uh, if you don't see him, because he, yeah. he's going around. <laughs> yeah, he looks like young Frankenstein. He looks right. like a Peter uh, Boyle. A he bit. needs a hairstylist. I mean, uh, <laughs> shave your head off, son. Shave, shave, shave your hair off. Like He, he yeah, goes around with he, this like crazy Frankenstein uh, doctor he, thing going on. Even Hulk Hogan wears a kerchief, for God's sakes. Right. Uh, <laughs> we... We've I, talked I, I, about this on the show before. You know, sometimes, you know, an author reading their own book, you know, that can work. Yeah, I was saying, you know, we've, we've talked about this before on the show about, you know, sometimes it, 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 it works when an author, you know, reads their own book. But I think for Jesse the Body, I think you're right. You might want to bring in a professional for that one. Or at least not do a video. Because <laughs> <laughs> he actually I, I, doesn't I, sound as crazy as he looks. <laughs> yeah, he'll kill you if you don't like his work. I hear them all. Everybody wants to know Jesse the Body's private life because they know, Mean Gene, that I date and take out some of the most beautiful women in the world. I've heard that. They go for my hair. The hair. The hair. That's you, what they could, like. The could, I, could I impose upon you to turn around if our cameraman could get a shot of this? Where in the world would one man in the street go, or a woman for that matter, to get one's hair done such as yours? Opal's Glamorama. Opal Gardner. Opal Gardner, Pine Valley. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that my experience, authors reading their books frequently doesn't work out because authors are generally decent writers. Right. And that's where it ends. <laughs> um, and, I, and, and, I know that at recorded book studios here in Manhattan, a lot of times an author says, I want to, because you know, they've written the, the work, they want to be married to the project throughout. And if indeed they have some acting chops, you know, they, they should do it. But a lot of times uh, an author will say, I'd like to read the book. And uh, the head of the studio, Claudia Howard, will say, let me have a few people audition, including yourself, like a couple minutes. And the author will listen to all the auditions and rarely will they pick themselves. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and Stephen King recently uh, here. you got to hear this. By the time Canfield, the Jefferson Ranch's newest proddy, which is to say hired hand, reached the home place the screaming had started. oh my 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 ears hurt already that's the wind <laughs> through the keyhole the dark tower and i mean when you compare that to, to like the, the frank muller or uh, here frank muller with roland sitting upon the beach of the western sea watching the sunset the man in black is dead the gunslinger's own future and frank muller does voices and so so does george goodall uh, uh he, he did some great voices for the the series and then the, you get this squeaky voiced author comes on and, and kind of you know steps all over all that great audiobook narration that that gone into that series uh, it ruined the, the um, there's a series that's uh that i'm real happy with uh the, you know the do you see castle on television on abc yeah i noticed that I, like i, I, I haven't read any of the uh, the novelizations but uh i noticed you've done probably all of them i've done all of them yeah uh, all three thus far allegedly written by richard castle and they're cleverly <laughs> marketed to have only nathan fillion's picture and richard castle as the uh, author that's right <laughs> so people get it thinking that's nathan fillion doing the work so if you go to um, Audible or other websites where any you know anybody can write what they think, right. they don't like me because I'm not Nathan Fillion. 
<laughs> which has been a complaint of mine for years now. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. I've, I've, I've listened to the first two of those novels uh, that have spun out, and I swear the third is on my list. Um, oh, the, third, the third's up for an Audi Award. This, hopefully on June 3rd I'll win one. Well, I've got to put it on my list. Your, your, uh, shelf, your but, shelf for no, Audi Awards uh, must be humongous, Johnny. What's that? You've got a lot of Audi Awards, do you not? I've got um, – I'm two for four so far. Nice. Yeah. And I'm up twice this, this year. But I'm always against uh, – I have to beat out Weird Al Yankovic in the children's department. And, um, <laughs> and I have to beat uh, – um, uh, oh, there's someone else. I forget now. Um, it's another star. Usually stars can wallop any uh, typical actor. Right. You know, like, like audio file – audio oh, – no. Um, the, you know, the Audible is called these A-list narrators. You know, right. these, these great film stars who've never actually narrated a book, but they're A-list now. Right, and, they, and the people judging the, book, the, no. judging the thing know that they, they'll get to meet these guys if they vote for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they're not going to show up for this shit. Unfortunately, I'm showing up because it's about three blocks in the house, um, and I already own a tux. So I figured, you know, why not? Um, on, on those castle books, mm-hmm. um, was your performance at all influenced by the show? Because the sort of the, yes. the characters are sort of related to the, I mean, they're uh, related, or, or was, was your take totally independent? Sort of, how did that work out? If I do a detect, I read a lot of detective stuff just for my own enjoyment. Um, I like the film noir style, but I happen to be a huge fan of the castle show. Always was from the beginning. I've watched every one, so definitely I was influenced. Certainly, I don't try to impersonate. The, the actual actor, but I do try and get a hold of their personality. But I want to go not for what we see on TV so much, but for what the author has written in the book. My job is to right. bring the author's truth out. And generally, though, it's written, the stories are written based on the TV characters. So you can't ignore the fact that those characters exist and people want you to be, at least have that attitude. Right. Uh, so, and that's what I play. I don't think you should play the, uh, unless you're doing Jimmy Stewart, don't do Jimmy Stewart. You know what I mean? Play, play, uh, play, Mister, Mister uh, Smith. Play, you know, do that kind of thing, but don't. I don't. I'm not. Imp- I don't want to impersonate Nathan Fillion, but I do want to play his uh, arrogant, uh, smart-ass kind of style. Right. So, so there's been three. Was one one every series? That one every season? Well, one book. Yeah. There has been so far. Yeah, I'm doing the new, uh, the newest one, book four. I just got booked for. Um, I start July 9th. It's called um, Frozen Heat. I've not received the text yet. Oh. Um, but it's so it's it's it, it 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 is very interesting the way that that's integrated into the you know into the series because the, the yeah they mentioned yeah, yeah, yeah during the season he's either writing that book or promoting that book and then that book comes out in yeah. real life very I, interesting know, uh, if the Mark producers are listening they should include incorporate a scene where uh, Johnny is uh, narrating an audiobook and. Something happens. Think that? No, dude. No, I, I want to be in the beginning. I want to play the dead Irish priest who's just laying in the pool of his own blood. See, in the I think that's where I belong in the film world. Now, that would be awesome. Dead Irish priest one or something. That'd be my name right there. Now, do you mind if we were going to play a little bit of the uh, the second book? Sure, do sure. If you've got yeah. it queued up there, well, absolutely. We always have it queued up. I just go to Audible and play the the sample that they've got. Well, I have no idea. Those samples are not always the best parts of the book. It, we've ahead. talked about that on the show, and and sometimes Audible picks a random section of the book. And well, let's see, let's see what happens. Copyright. When a high mound of refuse started in the gutter and encroached on a good bit of the sidewalk, obscuring the body from Heat's view, she could whiff the two days of trash rot even in the morning chill. At least the mound formed a handy barrier to keep the looky-loos back. 
There were already a dozen early risers up the block and an equal number behind the yellow tape down at the corner near the subway entrance. She looked at the digital clock flashing time and temperature on the bank up the street. Only 6.18. More and more of her shifts were starting like this. The downturn in the economy had hit everyone, and in her personal observation, whether it was the city cutbacks in policing or merely the sort of economy that fueled crime, or both, Detective Heat was meeting more corpses these days. She didn't need Diane Sawyer to break out the crime stats for her to know that if the body count wasn't up, the rate was at least quickening its pace. But no matter what the statistics, the victims meant something to her, one at a time. Now, the, you know, again, the, the, they usually pick these things out at random. That wasn't too bad of a little little clip there. No, that was wasn't on, bad, yeah. It was yeah, on for I'll, another I'll four minutes. I'll accept that. <laughs> and I remind, remind everyone at home that if you go to audibletrial.com slash bookguys, uh, you can pick up, uh, well, you can pick up Heatwave, the first uh, Richard Castle book for free. And I uh, get a one month free trial just for checking it out. That's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. One of yours, uh, another one of yours that I've listened to, Johnny, a while, maybe eight or ten years ago, was Armageddon Summer by Jane Yolen, a uh, young adult. Now, that one has two POV characters. And yes. And. You split the work with a female narrator. Um, I think Panic by Michael Lewis you did. That had multiple narrators. That was a nonfiction book. Is that your preference to do just male voices? Or, or, or who decides that, I guess, is probably the question. In, interestingly enough, all the work I do with, uh, is, is single voice narration. It's me doing all the characters, which is what every book narrator, actor prefers. Right. Uh, Armageddon Summer... Because the first half of the story was told by the boy, and the second half, or the chunks, were told by the girl, it didn't make sense. I was clearly her story and clearly my story, and that was the only time actually I we spent. There were about maybe six or seven pages where they had a dialogue, and we together in the booth for that. But other than that, she read her part on her own in the booth with the director, as I did mine on different days. And so it's conceivable we wouldn't have met. And on Panic, I only did the parts I did. I did this the stories I did. And other actors did the stories they did, and it was all put together. Who decides? Is that the you know the publisher, or the author, who sort of decides how to how well, to, Jim, to do multiple are, voices on the book or one voice? Or I'm just curious how that from the business side how that works. It's almost always one voice unless you're doing um, a play uh, like Bruce Coville does audio theater. You know, right, you need right, a bunch right. of people. But generally, books. If you're doing a book, if you're doing a if you're doing Dickens or if you're doing a, 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 a Dennis Lehane, whatever you're doing, it's just you doing the book, the whole thing. And it's not really a decision. It's just the way the business is. It's, un, it's brutally difficult to cast that many people, have them all meet, get the schedule in, keep right. changing their lines. It'd be tough to fit in the room. It'd be expensive. So generally the decision is, is – it's not even – it's not a big decision. It is the way they do it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you know, I enjoy a lot of the the single narrator works, and especially someone like yourself who can, uh, you know, uh, do the different uh, characters. I mean, you're- I think it's uh, it's essential that an audiobook narrator who wants to make a living in the business has to be able to do characters. I mean, and there's a million different ways to find them and to do them, but you've got to find the style that works for you. And you have to be able to portray convincingly different characters, and that's again just playing the author's truth. Yeah, it's it's rare to find an author that can uh, also be an audiobook narrator, uh, like I just found out with Stephen King. I mean, luckily, <laughs> a lot of the story uh, dealt with a squeaky-voiced kid, so 
it kind of made sense having him, you know, do the entire story in that. Uh, but at any time he would have to uh, read the, the minimal parts that the gunslinger's in. It's just eye rolling. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me let me bring up. I want to bring up one book. Of, I don't know if you have you heard of this book called Full Service by Scotty Bowers. Uh, it ring? No. Hmm. Does not ring a bell. Okay, Scotty uh. Bowers is this Hollywood guy. He's a real guy. He's, he's not dead yet, but he, he's in his late eighties there. And he wrote this tell-all, salacious skin. Remember Hollywood Babylon? Okay. Sure. So this is this is a story about all the dirty, filthy sexual escapades that the the stars your mom and dad loved did. You know, it's it's William Holden, you know, blowing Glenn Ford. You know, it's it's uh, it's it. And this guy Scotty Powers, Scotty Bowers, apparently was a ran was in a gas station on Hollywood Boulevard after the war, and apparently he uh, had sex with every man and woman who's ever anybody in Hollywood. It's, it's. I don't know if it's true or not because everybody wrote about his dead. Okay. So it's hard to sue him, you know, being dead. And uh, uh, it's not true, but it's it's an amazingly salacious book. And I was surprised a that it was. I'm not surprised he got a lot of press, but I was surprised they asked me to do it. Wow, I'm looking at this, and he's mm. got some big names here that he's. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. You looking it up now? Wow, dropping this, these bombshells on, including. Yes. <laughs> including claiming that he uh, arranged uh, call girls for Errol Flynn, Desi Arnaz, Bob Hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. He said he was. He never took money for these things he arranged. He said, but he arranged for everybody to have a little fun. And according to him, everybody did him. Hmm. Full service. Yeah. <laughs> that's, well, that's that's full service, my friend. <laughs> full service or service with a smile. The other working title. Yeah. But you, you should you should. Um, I don't know if I should tell you to listen to it. I don't know what I think about it. Yeah, well, I, I just thought you'd heard of it, but it's it's. it's I'm, I'm putting good. it on my uh, on my wish list here on Audible. It's definitely the dirtiest book I've ever read. It comes in at nine hours and five minutes. Of filth. <laughs> of filth. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mr. Heller, you you're also a comic and uh, and an actor, obviously, uh, as uh, Scott Brick and uh, many other uh, narrators we talk to say that you know it's natural that an actors would turn to. Uh, Audiobook narration because it's just, it's just another form of storytelling. Uh, but you're, de- I can, I can definitely. I, I just gl- glancing at your your bio and uh, yeah, I can definitely see that you are a comic. And uh, do you still do any uh, any comedy? I, I write a, a humorous blog at uh, abbreviatedaudio.com, a site run by my fiance Joanna Perrin, and uh, she does great book reviews and she's a narrator as well. And I just do some uh, humorous blog called For the Hell of It, um, which is just what it is. And I haven't done stand-up, per se, for a number of years, and I'm always writing new bits, and I keep saying, I'll go out and do it again. I don't do it for a living anymore. I did for about four years. It's abbreviatedaudio.com. We'll put it on our blog yeah. roll. We'll check it out, and maybe uh, have you, you and your fiancé on one day to talk, uh, talk about that. Oh, yeah. Great. We'd lo- love to do that. Um, I've got to, I just finished writing a new blog before you called in for the people coming to the uh, APAC conference in New York, all about the history of New York I made up. Oh, the APAC conference is coming up this week, is it not? I'd say, yeah, beginning of June. I think it's June June 3rd. Is that the Monday? I believe it is. Or June 4th, one of those. Before we get into book news, what uh, where can people find all of your stuff? Other than, obviously, if you go to audible.com, folks, and I do this all the time, if you enjoy the narration you just heard uh, and you want to hear more from that narrator, you can actually search Audible by the narrator. You don't have to search by you know, author and hope to find that narrator again. Uh, but where, where can they find you, Johnny? Well, I have my website, johnnyheller.com, which uh, needs an upgrade. If anybody out there is a web designer and don't charge me a ton of money, there I can go. use you. We'll talk, um, out, we'll a, talk a after the show. It's a little static, that site. I know a uh, guy. 
I need I need to fix it, but it, I have my I keep my news up to date there. Um, I can be heard at uh, as you said at uh, Audible. I can be heard at Tantor. You heard at Recorded Books. I do work for uh, Blackstone, eChristian. So all those sites will have most of the book audiobook producer sites will have uh, clips. I just did a cute book for Scholastic Audio by Jerry Spinelli, which is a great children's book. Nice. Um, and and as I was talking about the, uh, you'll see a bunch. If everybody's in town in, in New York this uh, first Monday and Tuesday of June, on Mondays the Audio Producers Association Convention at the Javits Center, and that's a big deal for our industry. Yeah, and and uh, tell tell us a bit about what goes on there, because uh, I mean, uh, well, they, they, it's divided between a um, the producers track where business side of the have meetings to discuss newest things going on and marketing techniques and whatnot. And then there's a narrator side where the narrators can learn about how to work pro tools. You know, narrators need their own studios. They have to be their own director and engineer now. So we have lessons and that sort of thing. I emcee a room for about 90 minutes, 1.30 till uh, 3, called the Listener's Lounge, where I host it. Actually, there's about 12 narrators, Simon Preble, Simon Vance, everyone named Simon I can think of, um, <laughs> Robert Fass, uh, uh, Robin Miles. There's, like, there's 12 narrators, including myself, who will do excerpts from their work, about three to five minute uh, crowd-pleasing bits. And I'll, I'll, I'll do, MC that room and do a little work there. And then for the industry members, there's all kinds of parties that weekend, and it follows up, culminates on Tuesday night at the Audi Awards at the New York Historical Society. So, so by, by the time the Audi Awards comes along, your, your livers are right pickled. Yeah, well, that- not, not <laughs> now. So it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant! It's, it's 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 a it's a real good uh, it's a good you don't get to, when you work in a booth and Paul you probably know this you're in your booth you don't meet that many people. No, you know, you, that's right. You, you know I, I know me really well. It's the other folks I'm not so sure about. <laughs> uh, so so you need to get so this is a good place to to just meet everybody, and it's a lot of fun. That's great. And, and now before we go on, do do you record at home as well? Do you have a home studio I, or do you? Uh, I do have a home studio. Yes, I have a whisper room with a. All the accoutrement, and I, I know how to work it, and I know Pro Tools. I'm not a genius, and I object to the idea that I need to uh, be much better than I am because I think it's hard enough to uh, narrate. Um, if yeah. I wanted to be behind the camera, I wouldn't have studied Shakespeare so long. That's right. I mean, it's hard enough to talk into the microphone. Never mind having to be your own knob monkey. We, you, we stopped this thing six times. That's before right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Before we forget, uh, this, uh, this week's episode of Book Eyes brought to you by Microsoft Skype. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. Book News. Let's do some book news. Uh, I found this one, and in Reuters, uh, this is actually one of the stories I've been getting a lot of hits on bookguys.ca and bookgirls.ca. Is, uh, I was going through some Reuters articles, and I found... Uh, an article saying that Bloomsbury, the publisher of the Harry Potter series by author J.K. Rowling, said it was counting on a new Rowling three-book box set tied into the Potter series uh, to support its sales. And it was a, this was a, more of a sales call or a sales uh, you know, uh, meeting and uh, talking about sales by Bloomsbury. And I think someone let the cat out of the bag. New uh, trilogy from J.K. Rowling coming soon. So I, there. I, I thought the news had been out. Was it... Accidentally released, you're saying? Yeah, it was accidental. <laughs> wow. Is Jim Dale going to do it? I don't know. We don't even know what it is, right? Johnny, put your, put your name in the hat. Yeah, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure I'll get that. Yeah. Uh, game of Thrones video game coming soon to Facebook. Uh, game of Thrones based on, of course, George R.R. R. Martin's uh, Game of Thrones uh, series, the 
I keep getting the ice and fire reversed. Song of Fire and Ice. And uh, apparently uh, George R. R. Martin himself has uh, commented recently on his blog, and he said that he demoed the Facebook game and was impressed. And I'll never play it because it's on Facebook. Well, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Professor Allen, I think you had a little bit of news on the site, and here's your jingle. Comic books, comic books, comic books. Something about the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, they had a, uh, it was in their uh, book review section uh, yesterday, ostensibly a book review, but mostly um, sort of an article about the decline of, of, of uh, comic book sales, sort of uh, you know, positioned against the huge success of the comic book movies and sort of doing a, a, a compare and contrast that you know, why are the movies so popular if actually the books themselves continue to sell less and less every year. It was a very in- interesting read. Hmm. There you go. And there's uh, the links on the site to your story. And uh, we're, uh, here in Toronto, comic book-wise, the Silver Snail Comic Book Store, which is one of the largest, and actually it's, it's the comic book uh, store to go to. Uh, their new 3,300-square-foot store at 329 Young Street uh, is uh, going to be open soon. They have a video tour online. I'm going to post that on the site uh, before this episode is released. And uh, it's going to have a large kid section, a gallery space, and a lounge area complete with iPads for in-store reading of digital comics. Uh, they're also working on making the second-story space wheelchair accessible. How, how big did you say the place was? It's 3,300 square feet, and uh, it's almost like we're swimming in a uh, sea of Skype. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, there we go. <sighs> uh, much <laughs> and, uh, better. They're also, the, the, the biggest change from the Queen Street location, which is where they are now, is uh, they're getting creative with the menu. Uh, they're having specials like Flashicino. You get three espresso shots for the price of one shot. <laughs> so they're having a cafe uh, in a bit to keep the shop competitive. Um, you know, it's in a neighborhood that has an indigo, and people, you know, go to the indigo and have a coffee and whatever. So they're they're basically upgrading. And the Silver Snail on Queen has been like a staple. It's if if you want to find a specific comic, that that's just the place you go in Toronto. You know, we'll see. That's we'll great. You know, in 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 general, comic book stores need to do some things in addition to just comic books to, to be successful and whether that's the cafe sort of vibe that they have going well, there. That's where the, the Silver Snail does the, the, yeah, the, the collectibles uh, and the second floor right. is the, you know, board games, collectibles, that kind of thing. And they're into the even clothing. As long as it's comic related, uh, it's in there. And you're right. They, they, you do have right. to branch out like that to, to stay they competitive. They need an adults only section for Veronica and Betty types, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not just me. Well, you know, you know, the bookstores, too, are, are doing the same thing. I mean, they're, they're all trying all different things. Where it used to cost you as, an, as a publisher $20,000 to get, like, room for 15 books at the front of the store, you know, a little shelf. Now there's a candles there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a, or iPad covers, you know, Kindle covers. Yeah, uh, yeah and it's, it's, it's changed quite a bit over the years. Well, but the bookstores in general have a hard time. Yeah. Well, there's this social aspect now of, of the bookstores, and usually, especially the bigger bookstores, it's it's getting harder for the smaller stores to compete. You know, if you can only fit four people in your store, it's not exactly going to be the meet and greet place like the, you know, the large downtown store. It's got, you know, 500 women and 500 men walking through it simultaneously, uh, you know, in a big cafe that hosts 300 people. It's getting kind of hard to compare, you know, compete with that for the little guys. We have some uh, really nice, uh, eclectic bookstores around Manhattan that uh, 
a lot of first edition type stores. Um, of course, yeah. we had the Strand bookstore, but there's a, a detective bookstore, Murder Inc. Over in the village, I had to go to, and I they they call me when they get new first edition copies of Nero Wolf books. Nice. Uh, I, I collect all those. Well, it's certainly now service. Uh, you know, uh, they, they're they got to be friendlier. They got to serve you that way. You know, they got to call their customers when you know a certain thing comes in, and you know, keep keep the shop tidy. And you know, uh, there's there's a place for a lot of the small stores. A lot of them are getting specialized. Uh, there's one locally, and they're just doing science books. You know, and they become the go-to yeah. place for that kind of thing. But well, uh, they need you to compete against the you know monster stores. And the fact that people are getting their books on audio, you know, I still like a, a book in my hand. To be honest with you, I love audiobooks. I, t- I tell you the truth that I'll go through two or three a week in audio, and if I'm lucky, half one in uh, print. Now you drive around a lot, though, right? Yeah, I, 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 I'm either on the subway or commuting, or you know, uh, just during the work during the workday, I can't walk around with a novel in my hand, but I can walk around with headphones on or you know, booming the speakers. Yeah, yeah. probably two thirds of what I read quote unquote is unabridged audio and probably one third is actual uh, actual paper uh mr austin as an author uh, what do you how do you prefer to absorb your your books uh it kind of depends on what's you know I, I used to have uh really long commute times and i listened to a lot of books um now i love to i love to read the printed page um and uh occasionally electronic but i i still love paper i collect books and i i just love the paper paper versions i, I know sir jimmy hates audiobooks because he can't carve a hole into them <laughs> <laughs> yes they're totally totally useless <laughs> I'm just not sure that free hollow comic books would work, but I'm trying to figure out a way, Jimmy. I'm trying to figure out a way. Hey, if there's a, if there's a way, I can get her done. You know what? I, I'm going to challenge you to get some uh, hollow comic. You know, I'll, I'll buy a big pile of like, you know, some really old like uh, what, what was her name? Little Lulu. You know, whatever's in the five cent section. We'll have you glue them all together, and we'll put a good good one at the front, and see what happens. Best Adventures of Richie Rich. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Any, anything from the the seventies, you know, that was like the trash era for comic books. <laughs> you you don't mean R. Crumb, do you? Oh, certainly not. That's that's not really a comic book. That's more of a. Oh, that's that art. That's a, that's art. Okay. Okay. Now next week we have uh, J. Daniel Sawyer, and uh, you might be interested in this, uh, Sean. Uh, he writes a book called Throwing Lead: A Writer's Guide to Firearms. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if you've ever had issues writing guns into your stories. So the, <laughs> There's good, there are going to be guns. <laughs> yeah. So so J, J. Daniel Sawyer, what he what he, him and oh, I forgot the name of his uh, co-author uh, Mary. Oh, don't worry, Mary, I'll get it to you. Mary Mason. Uh, they wrote Throwing Lead, Writer's Guide Firearms, and, and they basically help you learn the the background of the guns, the different guns, how they operate. You know. Uh, like Sir Jimmy, I'm sure you've read a lot of novels where people are uh, switching the safeties off on their Glocks. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a dead giveaway. There are no safeties, <laughs> but I mean, countless books I've read where the cops, you know, uh, you know, bad guys pointing a Glock on him and, and pulls the trigger, and luckily the cop survived because the safety was on. Uh, that kind of thing. So, so they they'll they'll uh, you know let you choose what kind of weapon you want to use in the story: uh, small, large, you know. Automatic, semi-automatic, something you can hide in your purse. They'll tell you about it, how it operates. Uh, they also include a section on uh, getting into your head and 
the visceral feeling of actually shooting the gun off. So even if you've never uh. shot a gun at the range or anything, you, you can, uh, uh, they'll give you enough information in that book that you can write it competently, uh, uh, so that, you know, you know, there's a lot of people out there who know about guns so that you don't take them out of the story by, uh, writing something silly. So we'll I have him important. on next week. I don't, I don't know guns myself, but the, the few things I do know a little bit about, you know, when they're wrong in a novel, it really does just pull you right out and you, you know, it can, yeah. so getting those details accurate, I think is critical for an author. And uh, June, June 17th, we have uh, the co-authors of You're Not As Crazy As I Thought, But You're Still Wrong, Phil Neeser and Jacob Hess. Uh, one's a Republican, one's a Democrat, and they kind of go at it in their book, and they would be going at it on our show, as well as Brian Brushwood on that same episode returns to talk about Scam School 2, which is out on the 19th, and uh, sometime between now and then, we're going to have Padre SJ from Twit on the show as well. We'll have to be on our best behavior, gentlemen. There will be a priest in the house. Yeah, his new show is coming up. Uh, what's it going to be called? Uh, Friar yeah. Friar Tech. Friar Tech was the, uh, he, but he has said that uh, he said that he is a he's he's a Jesuit priest. So a friar would be a Franciscan priest. So it doesn't doesn't work. And they're still working on a name. <laughs> Maybe but that's we can come up with really funny. <laughs> it would be yes. <laughs> well, he's, he ta- his show uh, upcoming show. He's he talks about tech and he's a priest. So Friar Tech. Now, Adam Curry came up with that, and it sounded pretty good to me. Sir Jimmy, but before before he comes on the show, we got to find a name for his new show. Let's yes, get, I think yeah, we got to help him out. Let's you know get on the it. case. Let's do it. And folks, you can always go to bookguys.ca or bookgirls.ca. We always post uh, with our episodes. We post show notes, and where you can find Mister Johnny Heller's audiobooks and a link to Sean Austin's book. And of course, there's always links there and posts by Mister Professor Allen. I noticed your uh, Who Cast post the other day. Yep, just put that up. A, uh, so yesterday, re- I think? Review of a couple of Doctor Who-related podcasts. <laughs> Would you believe I've never heard of Radio Free Scarrow? What? Now, is that a great name or what? I love it. <laughs> it's like the resistance, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you can't stop the signal, my friend. Mr. Johnny Heller, I want to thank you so much for showing up today. My pleasure. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Mr. Sean Austin. Thank you very Thank you. much. Thank you, too. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, hopefully next time we won't have any Skype issues. Thank you, Sir Jimmy. Professor Allen, uh, it's about that time, gentlemen. Thanks, fellas. We will be back again next week. Same book time, same book channel. Glad to have you guys on board. Hope you come back again soon. And we'll sort out the Skype sometime between now and then. Screw you, Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week, folks. readers and book listeners Paul the book guy will be back next week same book time same book channel